0: We're going to be in two areas of Scripture today as we continue to study God's Word. Mark chapter 10, as we continue our study by study, uh, verse by verse study of the book of Mark, as well as Proverbs chapter 8. Once again, Mark chapter 10, Proverbs chapter 8. If you need a Bible, there is one in the seat back pocket in front of you. And if you need one that you don't have one, please take that one with you. But if you've got 15 in the back seat, bring back 14. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer to prepare our hearts. Lord, I want to thank you that on 12:30 on Sunday afternoon, everyone sitting in this room or listening online believe that your word is the most important thing that they could be doing on a Sunday afternoon. Thank you, Jesus for the hungering and the thirsting of righteousness. And I pray, Lord, that with this diet of your word, that we'd grow, we'd thrive spiritually, and that our lives would change. It's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark chapter 10, I'll pick it up there in verse 13. Then they brought little children to him. Now, before I go any further, Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it's Mother's Day. And let me say happy Mother's Day. Could we just give one more applaud for all of our incredible mothers? Now, I don't know about you, but I love the chaos of all the kids that were running through the sanctuary. Um, It just One kid walked up to a woman to give her 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 flower and then decided, nope, I'm going to give it to somebody else. Kids are just unpredictable. I love it. One kid was like, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to go here. Now listen, those kids have come because they wanted to give you a flower. But it's Mother's Day, and i got to believe on Mother's Day, there are some of you where your mother said, all I want for Mother's Day is that you come to church. If that's you, we want to say welcome home. Let's give them an applause Because what your mom is doing, what your mom is doing is exactly what these parents are doing in Mark chapter 10, bringing their kids to Jesus. Take a look. Then they brought little children to Jesus, to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased. It's Mark's way of saying he was angry. And he said to them, let the little children come to me, don't and don't forbid them, for such is of the kingdom of God. Surely, now a teaching moment. I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as uh, does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. He took them up in his arms, laid his hands on them, and blessed them. One of the greatest things that you can do as a mom is bring your child to Jesus. It's a command from Scripture. Whether in the Old Testament or the New Testament, there in Malachi chapter 2, God, he expresses the heart that we raise godly offspring. Deuteronomy chapter 6, once again in the Old Testament, the Word of God says that we should teach our children that whether they're lying down, waking up, or walking by the wayside, we should post Scripture on our walls, that we should pass on the legacy of faith to our children. Well, the New Testament, no different than the Old, in fact, taking from the Old, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, that we should raise our children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Now, let me tell you what that means. It means that we bring our children to Jesus by telling them about him, talking to him with them, in other words, we're in prayer, and showing them how he lived by our example so that one day they will come to Jesus and they will want to be like him. They'll want to do whatever it is that Jesus tells them to do. In fact, one of the most celebrated mothers in all of history, Mother Mary, it was her advice She was there at the wedding feast. And while she was there, she said to the servants, and a piece of advice that every mother would do well to follow and do well to express to their children, she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Now these moms, these moms and dads, they were bringing their children to Jesus that he might touch them. Now let me express to you this word, little children, it's the word, Infants. Basically, as Jesus was on the way, they wanted to have a public baby dedication. Because this word means infant, and Jesus is on his way. And basically, they wanted to follow giving their, uh, pronouncing a blessing over their child. This is very common. When a, child, a Jewish child was eight days old, they would go to the rabbi. They would go to the priest so that the priest could bless their child. But then as they saw rabbis on the way, they would bring their children to the rabbi that the rabbi would bless them. Let me tell you why. Infant mortality rate was very high. You didn't know if your child was going to make it or not. And so you were were requesting the rabbi to pray to enlist the favor of God on your child for survival. Asking God for God's favor on your child for survival... It's the same thing we do today. Though our infant mortality rate is lower today than it was back then, we still dedicate our children to the Lord. You see, it expresses our desire to have our kids survive the 21st century and what they're experiencing today. And as a parent Though we have low infant mortality, we have the world in the 21st century that is trying to snatch our children away. And the best thing that we can do to to help our children navigate through this world is to bring them to Jesus. Because these parents knew something that we know as well. They knew something about the touch of Jesus. Jesus. You see, when Jesus touches you, something happens. In Matthew chapter 8, when he touched a leper, the leper was made whole. In Matthew chapter 9, when he touched the blind man, the blind man could see. When he touched the lame man, the lame man could get up and walk. You see, something happens when you receive the touch of Jesus. So we need to follow the example of these parents and bring our kids to Jesus. Our kids, no matter the age. I don't know what happens. I don't know if it happened in your home. But we brought our kids to church. I mean, they grew up in church. In fact, when my kids came out of the womb, we spanked them, and they sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I mean, they grew up in church, They're in church all the time. But something happens to children when they turn 13. I don't know what it is. Something happens to children, and I, it's like a disease. All of a sudden, they can't get out of their bed. They just love their bed, and they'll say, well, I'm a growing child. You can't grow that much. I mean, you sleep until 2 p.m. I mean, what is going on with you? And you? I have growing pains. You have growing pains? And I don't know what it is that when our children turn 13, all of a sudden, they can't wake up on Sunday morning. You ever had that experience? amen and then because I don't want a problem and I don't want to come home on my day off and then there's an issue and then there's attitude because I asked them to get up and go to church so we let them decide so they're going to make bedside Baptist where they choose to worship did you miss it Bedside Baptist? Okay. No, you didn't miss it. Okay, good. It's better to default bringing them to Jesus because that's what these parents are doing. You see, but the disciples, the disciples had a different mentality. The disciples rebuked those who brought them to Jesus. They actually thought they were doing Jesus a favor. I mean, he's got more important things to do than to minister to children. We have lepers to heal. We have blind people to see. We've got deaf people that need to hear. He's got sermons to preach. He doesn't have time for children. We are about kingdom business. But what they didn't realize is that kid business is kingdom business. And I'm going to tell you why. Because heaven knows something about children. Heaven knows that foundational truths are best established in early childhood development. I'm going to prove it to you. Take a look. It's Proverbs chapter... Excuse me. Take a look at the screen. It's Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. Now, I'm going to do it in the Chet version, okay? Take a child to church. Tell your child the Bible verse memorize scripture, train up a child, send your child to VBS. Train up a child in the way he should go. This is a heaven principle because heaven knows foundational truths are best established when they're young. Now take a look what happens. And when he's old, he'll not depart from it. You see, the Bible knows something because the Bible is the smartest book on the face of this planet. And the Bible knows that when we put these foundational truths into our children, even though they may stray, these foundational truths helps navigate their way back home. That's true. But the disciples, they're trying to stop people from getting to Jesus. They actually thought they were doing their job. They actually thought they were helping Jesus out by stopping them from coming to Jesus. Jesus a church, we need to be careful that what we say we're doing for Jesus is actually something Jesus would do. Let me give you an example. Harvest Fest last year, we had a guy, he volunteered. I mean, he was sorting candy, he was building things, he was sweeping, he was here before, he was here during, he was here after. And then I saw him with her. And I began to realize, oh, now I know as long as she was here, you were here serving. But when she dumped you, he left. Let me tell you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul makes it very clear. If your motives are not right, it's not a Jesus thing. It's a you thing. And Jesus is going to challenge that. But not only that. The Bible says if you don't have love, it profits you nothing. So listen, you could come to church and you can raise your hand, but if you go out in the parking lot and you're mean, it ain't Jesus. Amen? You know why you're not laughing? It's called conviction. You see, the disciples thought they were doing a Jesus thing, but Jesus is going to teach them a lesson. You see, the disciples rebuked those who were bringing kids to Jesus. And this is a worldly mentality. And we know the disciples struggled with worldly mentality. Do you remember when there were 5,000 hungry people and they wanted to send them away? Do you remember when the Syrophoenician woman was bringing her daughter to Jesus and the disciples wanted to send them away? No, we knew that the disciples were struggling with a worldly mentality and Jesus had already taught them about heaven's mentality with children. Take a look at Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 36. Then, speaking of Jesus, took a little child, set him in the midst of them, and when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, to the disciples, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. Jesus had expressed the heart of heaven, and now the disciples are sending them away. This is a worldly mentality. It's not a heavenly mentality. in Church, this mentality exists in the world today because we are witnessing children that grew up in the church are walking away from the church as adults, I just studied a recent online survey. It was an online survey of 1,200 people that had left the church, though they grew up in the church. So they were leaving faith at this point of their adult life. And they gave many reasons of which I'm going to show you the top reasons they left. This is them. Take a look. The first and foremost was the church's discrimination against the LGBT community. You say you're loving, but you're not. Now take a look. This is them, not me. They're saying we left the church because of Christian hypocrisy. You raise your hands in church and then you're mean in the parking lot. Amen? Amen. Don't say amen to that. (laughs) Christian nationalism trying to legislate Christian moral codes instead of ministering to individual people. This is why they left the church. Look at the next one. A lack of love. Now listen, we are supposed to be known by our love, and they're saying 1,200 people, we left the church because people in the church aren't loving. And then take a look at the last one, which I believe should be the first one. I want the freedom to do whatever I want whenever I want to do it. I don't want guilt and shame. Now listen, some of you are like, okay, I brought my kid. This is not the Mother's Day message I was looking for. (laughs) A little bit uncomfortable. I don't know what to do right now. Don't worry, it's about to get worse. (laughs) But before it does, I want to apologize. You see, I know there are people in the church that are hypocrites, And I know there are people in the church that have lacked love, and you've probably felt the sting of it. And I want to apologize for my brothers and sisters. But I want to remind you of something. We're not perfect, we're forgiven. And neither are you, but you can be forgiven. You see, the only perfect one is Jesus, and that's why the Bible exhorts us keep your eyes on Him, because He's not made any mistakes. He so loved you that he died on a cross for you and then rose again. But for the church's part, I want to say, look to Jesus and I'm sorry that my family has hurt you. I'm sorry. But I believe, though these were the reasons they gave, I believe there's a greater reason why people are walking away than just the reasons that they give. Because... I believe of what's happening to them as kids. And the spirit of keeping kids from Jesus persists in the world today. In fact, we're living in a culture where we're willing to expose our kids to everything under the sun except Jesus. Listen to this. Written by the family council. I don't know if you know this. Passed through committee about to go to the legislature in the state of California. Listen. Listen. SB 407. We need to protect our children, foster care children, from physical and psychological abuse coming from non-affirming foster parents. Here's the here's the law. Here is the legislature that they're trying to make law. It includes an ability to demonstrate an understanding of the unique needs of LGBTQ youth and capacity and willingness to meet their needs. If a foster parent cannot meet those needs, they will not be approved. And what this legislature says is that if you want to be a foster parent in the state of California, you've got to sign a sheet of paper that you believe and agree with the LGBTQ agenda. Do you realize, do you realize over 50% of foster parents in the state of California are Christians? Do you realize the social program, the social welfare problem that will be generated when 50% of the foster parents are removed from the foster parent system because they won't sign this sheet of paper? This is an attack on our faith. It's a desire to keep kids from the influence of Christian foster parents. This blows my mind. Because you can go into a public school and expose them to drag queens, but if some guy dresses up like Jesus and reads the words of Jesus, he'll get kicked out of the school. You can expose them to sexually explicit books in elementary schools, but if you bring the Bible, they burn it. You can expose them to new identities. But if you tell them about the identity they can have in Christ, you'll get fired from your job. It blows my mind the culture that we're living in. And you might ask, well, how is our culture keeping kids from Jesus today? How is our culture investing into kids today so that they turn from Jesus tomorrow? Oh, Our culture stops kids from getting to Jesus by teaching, God has made mistakes. I'm going to prove it to you. If the Bible says he made them male and female, and I'm a male, but I feel like a female, then God must have made a mistake. How can I ever trust him for making me the wrong gender? God made a mistake. Our culture stops kids from getting to Jesus by teaching. Science is the answer, not faith. For if God says that he made the world in seven days, but our school systems teach that it took millions of billions of years over the course of evolution, it causes kids to doubt every word that God has spoken. Because if he messed up communicating about creation... How can I trust his word in anything that he says? I told you it was gonna get worse. Our culture stops kids from getting to Jesus by teaching competitive, the idols of competitive values. We have football on Sundays. We have baseball on Sundays. We have basketball on Sundays. We have track on Sundays. We have swim on Sundays. We we can't come to church. We got practice. I mean, I want my kid to get good. we got a spelling bee. He's got to get into the right college. I mean, if I don't go and do this academic thing, then how will I know she will get into the college of her choice? We don't have time for church. Kids get involved with everything, and church becomes a commodity as to when you can fit it in, and then you bring your 16-year-old to me and say, please fix him. Please fix him. I had a mother come with me, come to me just the other day. She goes, I'm going to leave him with you. I don't know what you're going to do. If you've got to cast out demons, don't bring him back until it's out. <laughs> Church, it's the competition of its competitive values. Our culture stops kids from getting to Jesus by teaching humanism. Humanism is the idea that I'm God, that I determine my destiny, No one's going to tell me what to do, and I'm not going to give credit to any divine source. I am God. I'll never forget during the war in Liberia. And we had gone into rebel territory to minister the gospel. And as we were coming out, it was very late at night, and the rebels lined the entire road with nails. So we had four flat tires, and we only had two spares. So we are shoving dirt and grass into the other tires so that we could get out of rebel-controlled territory. You don't want to stay in rebel-controlled territory at night. So all of a sudden, some guy comes out of the woods, and he's got a machete in his hand. He swipes the machete on the road. He walks towards us. He's got the machete at our necks, and the friend of mine asks and says, Who are you? And the guy says, I'm greater than God. Well, the friend that was with me, he said this. This is my country. These are my people, and this is my land. You can say, you can spill my blood today, but you are not greater than God. Humanism, in its final, in its utmost thing, I am greater than God. You know what I was thinking? This is not my country. These are not my people. This is not my land. There is another way for us to go about this. (laughs) Isn't that like what some of us do? We see them producing a doctrine of I am God and we say nothing about it. Or you do what I did. I came up with a different idea. The tire iron was on the ground. So I went and I picked it up and I came up quick and I was going to hit him with it so I could get back in the car and get out of here. And when I came up, My head hit the hatch of the car, and I hit it so hard, I passed out right on the ground. When I woke up, it was dark and hot. I started to cry. I wasn't burning, but it was dark and hot, and I said, dear God, there is a purgatory. And I started praying. I'm like, Lord, please don't leave me here. I can't believe I'm here. And the guy that was with me goes, you're not dead. You're not dead. Stop praying that. You're not dead. I go, okay, he was just hot and was dark. I didn't know where I was. I go, dude, what happened? He said, Chet, let me me explain. Because that's some of us, the way, before I tell you what he said, that's the way some of us deal with humanism. We come out swinging. Oh, you think you're greater than God. I'm the moral police. I'm going to put you in check. That's not Jesus. It's not how he handled it. And when I woke up from that stupor, he looked at me and he said, Chet, I don't know what happened, but there were 17 guys and they came out of the woods and they were an to attack us. We were in the middle of an ambush and then all of a sudden they turned around in fear and ran away. I can't wait to meet the angel that stood on my car and said, if you touch him, I will hurt you. I believe that. I believe God saved my life. But how are you going to deal with humanism? Are you just going to let it happen, or are you going to fight it? You see, we've got to learn the way of Jesus because humanism leads to something else. Our culture stops kids from getting to Jesus by teaching relative truth. You see, if I'm God and I'm only accountable for myself, then my truth is my truth, and it's based on what I perceive as truth. You can have your truth, but I'm going to have my truth. The problem with this is contradiction. It's why feminists are now silent with transgender sports. Because the truth is being contradicted. Let me tell you something. Women have worked very hard for a very long time to find equality in regards to sports and the business world. And they've done a great job. But men have now figured out a way to still beat women. They just become women and then they beat them. And the feminists are silent. They can't say a word. Because truth is your truth. And you can have whatever truth that you want. And even though my daughter is now getting beat by a man, it's your truth. You see, this is where it leads. So Jesus, I want you to see what happens in verse 14. He was greatly displeased. This is Mark's very polite way of saying Jesus got angry. Because when we stop kids from getting to Jesus, it gets him upset. This is why moms, you are so important. And listen, it's why your mom begged you to come today. Because she knows the most important thing that she can do is bring you to Jesus. Because when we stop kids from getting to Jesus, it gets him upset. Let me give you a Jesus word. Now listen. Don't hang me in the lobby. This is not Chet's words. These are Jesus' words, okay? I'm just going to read it. Let it settle wherever you want. It's Matthew chapter 18. Take a look at verse 6. Matthew 18, verse 6. Whoever causes one of these little ones... He's speaking about kids. State of California, listen up. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin... It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. That's not Chet. Don't blame me for that. That's Jesus. Jesus doesn't like when we hinder kids from getting to him because children are very important to Jesus. He knows the impact of foundational faith that even though they may become a prodigal, that foundational faith will show them how to navigate their way back home. It's why at Calvary Chapel South Bay we spend a lot of time and a lot of money on ministering to kids because kingdom business is kid business. Do you know we started planning for VBS last year? Do you know how much time and energy and over 400 volunteers are involved with the week of vacation Bible school? You see, I believe that Jesus really cares about kids. Listen to what he tells Peter. Look, John chapter 21. Take a look at the screen, verse 15. John 21, 15. So when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And I'm sure he's looking at the 153 fish that Peter just went fishing. Do you love me more than these fish? And look how he responds. Simon says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my kids. Because a lamb is a young sheep. Now later he says, feed my sheep. You see, I believe Peter the loudmouth. He was the one. Don't bring that kid to Jesus. We are about kingdom business, okay? He's got some blind people to heal. Do not do it, okay? And I believe what Jesus is doing is he's reminding Peter, I want you never to forget something. I am about kids. Feed my lambs. Feed my lambs. You see, Jesus said that kids represent the kingdom of God better than adults do. Have you ever been frustrated with your kid and you've said to him, Come on, act like an adult. Have you ever been in the midst of it? You're gonna make me pull my hair out. Could you just grow up? It's not what Jesus says. Jesus says this: not act like an adult. He says, become like a child. Now I need to communicate what that means. Now remember, the word their little children is infant. And when he says, become like an infant, He is getting across to the disciples, using this child that he is holding, you need to become completely dependent and unequivocally trust that I alone can take care of your need. He's talking about choosing to walk by faith. An infant does not worry whether or not the parent can provide. An infant does not care about Anything other that when they cry out loud, their parent, who they believe they're crying to, can satisfy their need. And what Jesus is saying, that's the kind of faith you need. You need to believe that when you cry out to me, that I can meet your need and you can come to heaven because I am the way, the truth, and the life. We are completely dependent on Jesus to get to heaven. And so what Jesus does is he uses the moment to teach something about the kingdom. And he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 15, he says this assuredly. In other words, he turns it on him. I say to you, whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. The disciples, they wanted to end this moment. But Jesus is going to use this moment to teach them about faith. Hey, parents, listen up. God will always use our failures to cause our faith to go forward. Did you hear that? Now, this is one of the most important parenting advice that we can receive. God will always use our failures to cause our faith to go forward. When your child misbehaves, it's not an obstacle. Because when you misbehave, it's not an obstacle for the Lord. He uses it as an opportunity to train you. When your child misbehaves because you're not the Lord, they're just showing you something that you missed, something that they need investment in. So their misbehavior is not an obstacle for a parent. It's an opportunity to disciple. For its in parent, it's an opportunity to bring them to Jesus. For a parent, it's an opportunity to train them in righteousness, because God uses our failures to bring us closer to Him. And that's exactly what happened to the disciples. They didn't run away. They didn't rebel. They came to know this as truth. In fact, I believe Jesus affirms that they came to grow this. If you look at John 16, look how Jesus addresses the disciples. Little children. You got it. You believe that when you cry out, I am the answer. In fact, John, when he was writing the church in 3 John, he would say this, I have no greater joy than when my children Walk in truth. My children. He's referring to the church as children. And he says, my heart is filled because you're walking in truth. But parent, listen. I know some of you have the sorrow of the flip side of the statement. There's no greater sorrow than when your child does not walk in truth. And what this text shows us, bring them to Jesus. Go to God in prayer, just like Jairus did, just like the Syrophoenician Gentile woman did. Bring your child to Jesus. They may not realize that they are in a spiritual war, but you do. So take them to Jesus and let Jesus do, do what Jesus does. You just follow the example of these parents and bring them to Jesus. Peter would also get it. Listen to what he says in his first letter. He says this, As newborn babes crave the pure milk of the world. Word. Become like a babe so that you can cry out and be filled with the word of God. So what I want to do, parent, is give you some wise advice from the wisest man that ever lived gifted by God in wisdom. Would you go with me to Proverbs chapter 8? Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8, take a look at verse 32. Proverbs chapter 8, now we'll pick it up in verse 32. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. This is a parent, wisdom, speaking to their child. For blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise and don't disdain it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily. Did you re- hear that, kids? Blessed is the man who listens watching daily at my gates, waiting at the doors, the post of my doors. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Who doesn't want favor from God? But he who sins against me wrongs his own soul. And those who hate me love death. You see, the wisest thing we can do as kids is to come to Jesus when our parents are leading us to him. It's life. It's peace. It grants success. Listen to what Jesus says to do and then purpose to apply it to our lives. It's why your parents have brought you to church. They're bringing you to Jesus because they know Jesus is the best thing for your life. Going back with me to the Gospel of Mark, we'll close it out here. Because I want you to see the blessing that Jesus offers. I want you to see what Jesus offers when we choose to bring our kids to him. Take a look at Mark 10, 16. 10, 16. And he took them up in his arms. We've raised nine kids. I'm thankful to say that we are the parents of only adult children at this point in our life. Hallelujah. But when the kids were small, I used to do the football hold. I would put them in my arms, and I would put their head here, their stomach here, and I would do the sway. And they would go from... to... And I don't know what it is about the football sway, but it works. And I would do this for hours, because as soon as I would stop the football sway, and I would sing a little song. You are my sunshine, my only sunshine. Not today, but I'll still sing it. You make me happy. Because let me tell you something, when a parent takes their child up in their arms, I experience it at baby dedications. I'll never forget, at Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale, I dedicated a baby. The child was three years old, and that's why I choose to only do infants as much as possible. And the child was in my arms, doing this thing. So I put the child down. The child ran off the stage and started running through a 4,200-seat auditorium, through aisles, through everywhere. The dad ran off the stage and was trying to catch the child as the child was running, and he was one of the pastors at the church. some dedications, I'll be holding the child and the child will be... But as soon as I put him in his mother's arms, there's safety, there's comfort, there's acceptance. And do you know that the 1,200 people that were surveyed online, the one thing they miss about church... Community. They miss being accepted and feeling loved and held in the safety and security that Jesus offers. So, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, we need to take kids up into our arms, no matter where they are, who they are, no matter what prodigal situation they're in. They need to know they're loved and they need to know that they're accepted. Let God deal with the rebellion. We need to let the children come. And if you're struggling as a family today, we've got to get our kids to Jesus. Secondly, not only did he take him up in his arms, he laid his hands on them. Something about the touch of a parent. Never forget my daughter, Sayla, five years old. We're a soccer family. We adopted kids from Africa. They were soccer, so our whole family became soccer, except for my youngest child. He's like, Dad, we're done with soccer. I'm playing basketball. He made that announcement early on in his life. We are done with soccer. He never played soccer in his life. He's played basketball, football, lacrosse, you name it, every sport. He swam, the whole deal. But he refused to play soccer. But our daughter, she was in the middle of the soccer family thing. She's five years old, Selah, so we thought, let's put her out in the soccer field. She practiced. She had her first game. And while she was playing... Her brother was on the sideline going, Come on, Selah, get into the game! Just trying to motivate and encourage her. So you know what she did? She stopped in the middle of the game. She put her foot down. She did her hands like this. And she screamed at her brother across from the field, Do you have any idea what I'm going through out here? (laughs) We began to realize that sports may not be the thing for Selah. I asked the coach to bring her off the field, and I got down on my knees. And I put my hands on her cheeks, and I said, Selah, you're being super emotional, but you've got a team that's depending on you. You've got to get back out in that field and finish that game. You can do this. She melted like a a butter with a hot knife. And she went back out in that field, and she played like a champion because I touched her. Something happens when Jesus touches a kid, just like a parent with a child. And after the game, she walked by her older brother, and she went like this. Hmm. And she just kept going. Jesus put his gentle touch on the child. Because children want to know that they're cared for. They want to know they're not just a tag-along. And as the body of Christ, our kids need to know we've got time for them, that we care for them, that when they're running through the halls, we're not yelling at them. We've got our knee down like this, and we're just saying, hey, how you doing? It's why as a church, we're turning our fellowship hall into a kid experience. We're going to put an indoor playground in there so kids can have fun at church. Can you believe it? You see, we want our kids to know you can come to Jesus. And we want to create an environment so that when they come to Jesus, he can touch them. Because something happens when Jesus touches a child. Something happens. But I want you to see this finally. The Bible says in Mark ten sixteen, he blessed them. He blessed them. And let me tell you something about the blessing of Jesus It's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. This is the blessing that comes from heaven. The blessing of the Lord enriches, makes you wealthy, and he adds no sorrow to it. If the state of California is doing it so right with our children, then why are so many families falling apart? Why is there so much confusion and contention. We're preventing kids from getting to Jesus. And families are struggling because people are trying to stop our kids from getting to Jesus. Yet there is none, there is none of this when the Lord touches you. You see, The blessing of the Lord enriches you. It enlightens you. It gives you a sense of wealth and there's no sorrow. You see, when a kid is touched by the Lord, they know who they are in Christ. They're confident. They have a security because they know where they're accepted and where they're loved and they know where they belong and they know who they are and they know where they're going. It's the blessing of the Lord. It enriches us. So church, Let's get our kids to Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, I'm so thankful for the Word. And my prayer, my prayer, Lord, is that you would move in this place in a powerful way. And I'm asking now in Jesus' name that your Spirit would be speaking to people